want to share with you on this time of giving thanks, this Thanksgiving time. I want you to be thinking thanks. What do I mean by that? I want to share that as we go along here in a few moments. The devotional book, Springs in the Valley, published by Kalman Publications, on page 250 tells of a man, quote, who found a barn where Satan keeps his seeds ready to be sown in the human heart. He found that the seeds of discouragement were more numerous than the others, and he learned that those seeds could be made to grow anywhere. But when Satan was questioned, he reluctantly admitted there was one place in which he could never get those seeds of discouragement to thrive. And where was that, the man asked. And Satan replied, sadly, in the heart of grateful people. Are you a grateful person this morning? That gratefulness and that thanks mindset can displace a lot of negativity. We're surrounded by influencers, so many voices, and so many of the messages from those voices are negative. They're downers. They're not encouragers. How many times do you turn on the television and watch the news and, came, and come away encouraged and smiling and blessed? We've got a different message. You know, we are storytellers as Christians, and we have a great story to share. What does it take? It takes your life shining, your light shining, and then when given the opportunity by divine appointment from the Lord to speak up. And you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to have a certain set of verses memorized. You know what you have that you can present to others, what Jesus has done in your life. If you could share just that, the Lord may introduce scripture along the way of that narrative. But he gives you the opportunity to share. You must take advantage of it. Just like when we first started broadcasting from this sacred desk to anywhere in the world for people who would listen. What an opportunity. Not a problem. Not an obstacle. Not something we shouldn't do. Something we must do. And God gave us the opportunity to do it. And we're going to do it. The dictionary defines Thanksgiving as a national holiday set apart for giving thanks to God. You'd be shocked to know that a lot of students don't get that. Most students don't get that in school. You know, this is the autumn solstice. I don't know so many different names other than to define Thanksgiving. Other than that, this is a day to give thanks to God. Truth be known, if we pause and reflect, we have so much for which to be thankful have you ever scoured your mind for all the reasons why you can be thankful? I want to kind of push on the walls of your mind this morning and introduce some ways that you can find new things to be thankful for. The words thank and think come from the same root, reminding us that thanksgiving comes from thinking about and counting our God-given blessings. When's the last time we did that? counted our blessings. As the song says in the hymnal, count your many blessings, name them one by one. It'll surprise you what God's doing in your life because you take it for granted. Our text this morning is Psalm 105, verses 1 to 5. Psalm 105, verses 1 to 5. Let's stand together out of respect for reading God's word. 
Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glorify ye his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works, what he hath done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. Thank you. You may be seated. This is a psalm of Israel's King David. The first 15 verses of this 45-verse psalm were used as a hymn sung by the Jewish priests as they moved the Ark of the Covenant from place to place. Writer Robert Louis Stevenson writes this, the person who has stopped being thankful has fallen asleep in life. You're out. You're not home. There's so much to be thankful for in our lives. Look at this day. Just this day, seeping its way through these windows, that beautiful sunshine. How encouraging is that? How long could you live without sunlight? I don't know the answer. Are there a billion people in India? One four, 1.4 billion people. God bless that ministry. In other words, you got lots of room to work, brother. <laughs> Verse 1 continues, call upon his name. John Newton, remember the one who wrote Amazing Grace, who was once a slave trailer? He wrote these words, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds in the believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fears. It was in the name of Jesus that Newton left his former life as a slave trader, and he fought to end slavery in England and the United States, and guess what? They succeeded. Do you realize that most of the people who were, who were fighting slavery were from the Christian church? It was the pastors who took the leadership role and others followed through. But they saw through the veil of darkness that evil had put across their faces that this was a good thing to do. Enslave people, consider them less than human, consider them animals to be traded and bought and sold. And that evil was permitted to go on until somebody stood up in faith believing that God would help and it, and it worked. Colossians 3.17, this is for you. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father of him. This is a daily thing. Being thankful is a daily thing. It's something you do every day, and I'm going to give you more than that. It's something you can do every moment of the day. David wrote this psalm to describe God's guardian care of his people and the Ark of the Covenant. You may remember the Ark was a rectangular box made of acacia wood covered in gold. It was the most sacred physical symbol of God's presence among the Jewish people. And what did it contain? It contained the Ten Commandments, a pot of manna. That word manna means, what is it? Sounds like me in the military when I first looked at uh, cream chipped beef on toast. It contained a pot of manna. It contained the staff of Israel's first priest, Aaron. So David writes in verse 1 of our text, give thanks unto the Lord. Give thanks unto the Lord. This is something you can do. When we think of all the things God has instructed us to do, and we say, I can't do that. 
Go out and speak to people about Jesus. This you can do. If you've got the slightest modicum of thankfulness in your heart, this you can do. This I can do. This we can do collectively this morning. Listen to the instructions given to Israel's priests, 1 Chronicles 23.30, and stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord and likewise at even. Praise the Lord in the morning. Praise the Lord at night. You know, before every Hasidic Jew, every, every uh, Orthodox Jewish person takes a bit of food in their mouth, they thank God for it. Every single bite. I don't do that. And I'm blessed with much better food than they have because I'm Italian. How much prayer should a hamburger take? Thank God for the little blessings that come to you throughout the day. How many blessings come to you in the course of a day? We lived in, we lived in, uh, in uh, Brooklyn most of our lives. We were born and raised there. We lived on 69th Street between 4th and 5th Avenue in uh, our second apartment. It was a four-story walk-up. In other words, no elevators. You had to climb four uh, uh, levels of steps. So that to go shopping and to drive home from the store, we used to pray for parking space. And more times than not, we were blessed to have a parking space almost right in front of the door. And then we started our schlep up the stairs to put our groceries away. Thankful for a parking space. The little things in your life. Are you thankful that when you got out of the doctor's office, he said, oh, you're fine. Thankful? The little things. The fact that you would have breakfast this morning. The fact that you're looking to forward to lunch. I won't keep you too long. But the fact that you have these things in your life, these little things. And then there's the big stuff. When, when I was uh, running a factory of a million square feet, 800 employees, most of whom were union, when I would get a call in my office to go down to the assembly line or go down to the paint line or go down to the welding line or one of these things, there's problems on the line. The line will stop. Well, you don't want to stop the, the production line. As soon as you start doing that, the minute that stops, you start losing money. And so I would go down. When I started coming out of my office and walking towards the troubled area, I was praying. I was asking the Lord to give me listening ears, give me observing eyes that I could see who was with me and who was not and where I'd have to go and speak, who I'd have to call upon. Give me wisdom, Lord. Give me the words, Lord. Give me the right attitude, Lord. I wouldn't face those folks without the prayers and without the courage the encouragement that I know that God is with me. Small things, big things. What are some of the small things you're grateful for? Christ deserves our praise, our honor, and our thanks. Because of him, we have a direct access to God the Father. Because of Jesus, we have personal relationship with the God of the universe. He's your God. He's your Father. When you pray, our Father, well, you can take out the R, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not for any moving of any verses, taking any words out of the Bible, but you could also pray, my Father, because he is. Jesus cried out to, to, to his Father, Abba, which meant Daddy. That's the intimate relationship he had with his Father. That's the relationship you have inherited. 
that you have the creator of the universe embracing you. We're noted for our hugs in this church, how we care for one another and, and, the, and the fact that we hug one another as a demonstration of that. And guess what? The big guy wants to give you a spiritual hug this morning. Are you grateful for that? Because of him, we have that relationship with the God of the universe. Because of Jesus, our sins, which are many, have been nailed to that cross, and by his blood we are forgiven. One of the most beautiful words in the Christian lexicon, forgiven. What would people pay to be able to go to a psychiatrist and have all of their guilt taken away? Well, they're paying hundreds of dollars an hour, and it ain't working for the most part. How many of the people in Hollywood have spent thousands upon thousands of dollars to get rid of their guilt and found out that the only way they can forget is with alcohol or with drugs? You don't need any of that stuff. I'm not saying you shouldn't go and talk to somebody who's a professional, but pray that that professional will lead you to the Lord. Forgiven. Because of Jesus, we have salvation. Not only that, this salvation cannot be taken away. You cannot lose your salvation. Pastor, I can lose my salvation by just saying I don't believe in Jesus anymore. God knows your heart. I mean, I had a conversation over the last couple of weeks with somebody who got saved probably 50 years ago, 40 years ago, something in that neck of the woods, who walked away from Jesus. And I sat next to this person a couple of weeks ago, and they said to me, but now I've come back to Jesus. After all these years, I know he never left me. I know I walked away, but I know he always stayed with me. You may walk away from him because we are really the lowest of the low, but he'll never walk away from us. That was his promise. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Because of him, death is redefined. One of the scariest things for most people is facing death or experiencing the death of a loved one and not knowing for sure what happened after that. I often wondered, what would an atheist pastor, whatever you would be called, an atheist thinker, a philosopher, a teacher, your guru, what would they say to you and to your family after the loss of your loved one, and there is no eternity, and there is no heaven, and there is no hell. If I stand before a group of people and officiate a funeral of a believer, boy, have I got a good story to tell, and it's encouraging, and I've watched you as I've officiated over your family and seen your tears and heard you tell me that the words from God's word were so encouraging during the loss of that loved one. Death is, de-defined, is, is redefined. It's no longer the end. It's just the beginning. It's no longer a wall. It's a door through which we pass. It's no longer life's great question mark. It is for the believer an exclamation point to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. How does that make you sleep at night? 
How would that be if you were just told you had a terminal illness and there was no way you were going to get away with this? You're going to, you were going to eventually see death, but you're a believer. Now, I will say that I'm sure that if once we get that kind of a thing, we're going to be terrified to a certain extent. But as time passes, it's going to sink in. It's going to sink in. I'm going home. I'm going to see my mother. I'm going to see my grandmother. I'm going to see my wife, my husband. I'm going to see this person. And it's not just fantasy. It's not just a myth. It's the real deal, amen? It's Christ who made the promise and gave that promise, the privilege found in Hebrews 14, 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may attain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We don't need justice. <laughs> you don't want justice. You want mercy. Because if we put our life on the line and share with, uh, with ourselves what we've done in this life, we can say to God, you can do what you want. You are just. God is not going to condemn people. He's going to convict people. And when he convicts you of sin, it's time for you to repent, and it's time for you to confess. But when you and I stand before the Lord, whether it's at the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment, the great white throne judgment is the people who have never received Christ and, in fact, have rejected him. And the, and the judgment seat of Christ is your job performance evaluation. Whichever way it's going to be, and for all of us, I hope and pray that it's what just the judgment seat of Christ, where you're going to be evaluated for what you've done with your faith and your testimony, that God's just going to run the tape. He's going to see your, you're going to see your words. You're going to see your actions. God will be justified. We need his grace and his mercy. Verse 2 says, sing unto him, sing psalms unto him. And music and worship, Scott's with us this morning, and he, he uh, plays so beautifully. Gene plays so beautiful. Our singers I love to be singing with them. We had a wonderful opportunity to go to Pennsylvania last weekend and see a choir. I don't know, was there 100 people there singing? It was fantastic. And I had a little bit of an orchestra going there. Music and worship of God are joined at the hip. In the Bible, there are literally hundreds of references to song, singing, and music in association with praise, thanks, and adoration to God. It is God who gave the robin, its song to sing. He wrote the tune out for them, and they practice it well enough so you can tell if it's a robin that's singing. And there are so many different versions of the song that God gave to the robin on the part of all the other birds. And what a beautiful cacophony of sound it is when the birds start to sing in spring, and you hear this one going in that direction and that one. Those are gifts to you from God. And again, the little things when you hear that bird sing next time, say, thank you, Lord. I heard your orchestration. I heard your song. And it was in perfect tune. Little things. But not only did God give the robin the song to sing, but he also inspired some of the greatest composers like Bach, Beethoven, and Handel. How many of you love Handel's Messiah? I love it. If we can get a chance this Christmas Eve, we're going to probably pay the certain portion of that that everybody knows and loves. 
They wrote their music, and it was the most heart-stirring and soul-soaring sacred music. God's gift of music is a gift for all seasons. It expresses our joys, and it expresses our sorrows. Music can break your heart. Music can bring you to tears. Music can remind you of something that you once remembered and had forgotten. A song that comes like fragrance on the air and that's in your head and all of a sudden the tears begin to flow because it's touched you in the heart. And then there are those songs that you can just rejoice and sing and smile and clap your hands and stamp your feet and just feel so blessed. We got the Browders coming at the end of the month. They do that kind of singing and they also do the kind that brings you to tears. In times of anxiety and, and depression, stress and oppression, Job 35.10 says, God gives us songs in the night. How many of you have a hard time waking, uh, when you wake up in the middle of the night to fall back to sleep? From time to time, that's happened to me. And I lay there and I say, how do you fall asleep? <laughs> what do you have to do to fall asleep? Do you have to say something? Do you have to just lay there for 10 seconds? What does it take? And by the time I get through asking the question, I'm asleep. How did that happen? But if there are times when things haunt you in the night, gospel music, hymns, psalms of praise to the Lord can dispel that and change that and help you through that. He gives you songs in the night. What fills your night? What fills your night? Our text in verse 5 says, Remember his marvelous works. The pilgrims remembered on November 26, 1623, Governor William Bradford made the official proclamation for a day of thanksgiving to, quote, render thanksgiving to Almighty God for all his blessings. If it was good enough for them back in 1623, it should be good enough for us and our local schools and families all around our area. President George Washington remembered on October 3, 1789, from the city of New York, where he proclaimed a national day of thanksgiving, quote, that we then may all unite unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. We have lost that sense of thankfulness as a community, as people, as citizens. Everything we have we owe to the Lord, all the good stuff. And we're rapidly tearing those pages to pieces. Congress of the United States of America remembered in 1795 declaring a national day of thanksgiving. Congress stated, quote, our duty as a people with devout reverence and affectionate gratitude to acknowledge our many and great obligations to Almighty God and implore him to continue and confirm the blessings we have experienced. I would love for a president of the United States in a time like this to stand before the people and pray. Would you be touched? Thanksgiving is more than a national holiday. It is for the Christian a personal testimony. It is for each of us a way of life. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How will you and your loved ones approach this Thanksgiving day? Would you be unhappy? Would you be upset? Would you be concerned about the things you don't have? 
and forgetting the things you do have? Are, great, are, are, are we grateful for what we do have in Jesus Christ? It is yours a heart of thanks? It's your choice. But if you think about it, you too will realize we have so much for which to thank God. After all, haven't you and haven't I and haven't we collectively been so richly blessed? If you're blessed, say amen. More than a whisper. Father God, we are truly blessed. Help us to remember we're such a forgetful people. We put sometimes the things that matter on the back burners. And one of the things that really matter is for us to be thankful to you, thankful to our spouse, Thank you to our parents. Thank you to our family. Thank you to our children. Lord, our lips should spill out the words thanks and thank you. People should know, the people sitting next to us right now should know that we're thankful for them. The people with whom we come in contact know today, they should know that we're thankful for them. They should know that we appreciate who they are and what they are. Help us to love in that way, Lord. Love in a way that demonstrates it by our thankfulness and our caring. So I pray a blessing upon our congregation this morning. Help us to leave this place with thanks in our heart, on our lips, and in our hugs. In Jesus' name.